Thank you for listening to the Soul City Church podcast. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook and Instagram at Soul City Church. For more information, visit us on our website, soulcitychurch.com. Good morning, Soul City Church. How are we? Wow, that, that started underwhelming, and then Kayla Eastman saved all of you with a large scream. Oh, well, it's good. It's good to be here. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is John. I'm one of the teaching pastors here, and, and I was just sitting over there, and I'm filled with gratitude um, to see a lot of full faces today. Some of you who I met in the last year and a half look very different than I imagined you looked. Um, trust me, it's, it's better. It's better than I thought for all of you. Um, it's true, It's true, I guess. Um, but I'm really, I really am. I'm grateful to be here with you all at the table uh, this morning. And if, if you're actually, if you're excited to be in church today, why don't you just turn to the person next to you and say, it's time to eat. Okay, or maybe you're worshiping online, just type those words in the chat. It's time to eat, all right, because we're going to have some fun today. I, I want to start our time together uh, by, by hopping into the conversation that you all were just having. When you're invited to a potluck, when you're invited to the cookout, what, what do you kind of show up with? What's your specialty? And if I'm totally honest with you, I'm not even sure I actually have an answer to that question uh, because you should know that ever since college, I have had a deep and abiding fear of potlucks. I'm not joking, I'm not joking. So when I was in college, my my freshman year, I got involved in a church that was pretty close to the school I was going to. Pretty quickly in my freshman year, I got involved, I started serving there. And around Easter, I was invited by a group of seniors at my school who also went to that church. I was invited by a group of seniors to one of their apartments outside of my dorm, big deal for me, to one of their apartments for this like Easter potluck, you know, brunch slash lunch thing. And so I'm really excited to go. And you know, I don't really remember what I brought. I was 18 years old, so I probably grabbed like a bag of chips at a gas station on the way over. You know, that's how you do it. That's not really the point of the story. The point of the story is I'm at this potluck. I'm going through this line and I grab a big old helping of like mashed potatoes. I'm going the lunch slash dinner route here. And then I get a big old ladle of what I believe to be gravy. And I begin pouring this gravy all over my mashed potatoes. And about halfway through my pour, one of the senior girls standing next to me, she goes, oh, no, 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 no. That's syrup. As in maple syrup. Now, at this point, any normal human being would just laugh at themselves and say, oh, silly me, I thought it was gravy. Oh, well, throw the plate away, start from scratch. That's what a normal human being would do. What I did out of a desire to look cool in front of all these seniors is I said, oh, I know. I like syrup on my mashed potatoes. And not only that, but I ate about half of it before I found a sneaky little window to throw it in the garbage. And ever since then, I have been scarred. I need prayer over my potluck history. But because I love you all and because I love this church so much, I am here today facing my fears we're gonna have a little potluck today. Can you help me out with that a little bit maybe? Yes, okay, I just, I need your energy, I need your support, pray for me. Because I actually think that this idea of a potluck or a cookout is actually the perfect picture to talk about this vision of a bigger table. We've been talking about it the last couple weeks, if you've been around or if you've been watching, how 
in this series, we've been talking about how God's vision, God's hope for his family, for the church, we've been exploring how that vision from the very beginning and into our day, that vision is far bigger and far wider and more expansive and more diverse than many of us realize or are even willing to accept sometimes. We've been talking about how living in God's family, how sitting at God's table, more often than not, will look like sitting shoulder to shoulder with people who look differently, talk differently, worship differently, vote differently than you do. And part of our work together is to figure out what it looks like for all of these different people to all come together and be united at one table. That is what we are calling a bigger table, but you should know that is what Jesus called the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus was describing when he talked about the kingdom of God. And so today we're going to continue to dig into how we here can actually form and create that type of community by looking at the potluck, which I want to call out, I understand might be a little confusing for some of us because many of us in our modern world, we have actually been conditioned to think about church and faith communities, not as a potluck, but as a restaurant. Here's what I mean. Many of us, we treat coming to church like a weekly dining out experience, if you think about it. We walk through the doors and we get a little complimentary hospitality. Then we get a little appetizer of worship. We order a main course of teaching, and maybe we don't like the teaching very much, so we order a different teacher next time, preferably one named John, right? (laughs) Then we grab a little dessert in the prayer hall. Some of us even leave a tip as we walk out the door, right? This is what it looks like when church is a restaurant, and when church is a restaurant, we are consumers of it, yes? Now, I wanna be really, really clear before I move on. I wanna be very, very clear. If this is you right now, if that restaurant mentality describes your current relationship to church, that's totally okay. Like, I do not want you to feel any shame in that whatsoever. That is not my heart. Listen, Aaron and I, when we first started showing up to Soul City, that's how we showed up here for over a year before we ever got involved beyond that. Listen, a restaurant mentality is nothing to be ashamed of. A consumer mentality actually is a great place to start. And you should also know that part of God's dream for the church, part of God's vision for transformation, not only in your life, but in the world, will always include the crucial, crucial step of moving from a consumer to a contributor. Moving from consuming all the good stuff that God is doing to actually beginning to contribute to what he's doing. It's this crucial step where we move from viewing church as a restaurant where we show up to consume and actually we start to treat church like an invitation to a dinner party or to a potluck. Because when we got married, my wife taught me a very, very important lesson. When someone invites you over to their house for a meal, you don't just show up and consume. But when they text you and say, hey, can you come over next week? What is the first text you text back? What can I bring? What can I bring? If you're watching online right now, uh, just type those words in the chat. What can I bring? Question mark. Because that's the question I want us all to begin to turn over in our heads. When when I, when when we come to this table, what can I specifically, uniquely bring? And you should know that this whole idea of bringing what we have to the table, this has actually been, pardon the pun, baked in 
thank you. It has been baked in. I'm going to be a dad soon. Come on. It's been baked in from the beginning. So if you have a Bible, please grab it, open it up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you're in this room, there should be a Bible tucked away right under the seat in front of you. Go ahead and grab that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is on page 931. 931. So a little background for you on what's going on at this point in the story. The book of 1 Corinthians that we're looking at is actually not a book at all. It was originally a letter. Remember those? A letter written by one of the earliest founders of the Christian church, a guy named Paul, to one of the first ever Christian churches in a city called Corinth. And Corinth was actually kind of like Chicago in some ways. You could get a killer Italian beef there, and the sports teams always underperformed in Corinth. The Corinth Cubs will break your heart every single year. I'm kidding, not really, not really. But it was kind of like Chicago in that Corinth, it was a major city in the ancient world. And because it was a big major city, kind of like Chicago, that meant there were lots of different people all living in one area. Lots of different people with different backgrounds and different philosophies and different beliefs. But because of God's expansive vision that was birthed through Jesus, the church became the one place where all these different people all of a sudden found themselves in the same room. All these different people all of a sudden found themselves sitting at the same table. And so just like us, these people in Corinth, this first church, they were wrestling with what it looks like for them to have a bigger table. For them to create a space where all people are loved, where all people experience growth, and where all people have something to bring. So I want to hop in at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4, and I'm going to need your help, so please be reading along. When I point to you, you say the next word. You ready? I know it's going to be hard because you're going to have to be like, and he's pointing, what's the next word? It's okay. We'll get through it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So, pretty consistently, all throughout the early church, Paul would use this language of gifts of the Spirit, or spiritual gifts. Now, maybe you're a church person or you've been around church and so you're familiar with this language of spiritual gifts. Maybe at one point you've even taken a spiritual gifts test or assessment to find out what your spiritual gifts are. If so, great. Maybe you're not familiar with this language. If so, that's totally fine. All you need to know is what Paul says in verse seven. He says that spiritual gifts are a manifestation of the spirit of God through humans. In other words, spiritual gifts are a demonstration of God's power or a demonstration of his love or his care reflected through normal, everyday human beings. I'll break it down even simpler than that. Spiritual gifts are the abilities that God gave to you so that he might work through you. Doesn't have to be more complicated than that. The abilities, the talents, the gifts, the passions that God uniquely gave to you so that he can work through you and do work in the world. Work for what? For the common good. Now, a couple more things. It's really important for us to note at the beginning of verse seven, 
Who has these gifts? Do we see? Paul says that these gifts are given to each one. So Paul is making a pretty big claim here. He's saying that all of us, you, me, Aiden, Kayla, everybody, all of us have unique talents and abilities and giftings. What he's saying essentially is God made you good at stuff. Now, let's be clear. Don't get a big head. He didn't make you good at everything, but he did make you good at something. And he made you good at something for the good of everyone. And Paul goes on to help us understand how all of us, all these unique gifts come to the table and work together. He gave us this image of a human body. Skip down to verse 12, if you will, 1 Corinthians 12, 12. He says this, just as a body, meaning a human body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. Paul goes on in the following verses to expand on this little metaphor. What he's saying is every human body, it's made up of all these different parts. And he talks about how each part of your body has its own unique ability, has its own unique function, has its own unique responsibilities, and it contributes to the good and the health of your whole body. He's saying that that, your physical human body, is actually a picture or an image of what the church is meant to look like. One last verse, skip down to verse 27. After explaining this whole metaphor of the body, he says this. He says, now, what's next? You are the body of Christ. And in each one of you, each one of you, you are a part of it. Now, I don't want to mix metaphors here. Something you're not really supposed to do as a teacher. Pardon me. But when Paul says, now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. What he's essentially saying is, you all have a seat at the table, and you all have something to bring to the table. That's what he's saying. He's saying that the church, when she is at her best, doesn't operate like a restaurant, where you, know, you just show up to consume, or where a small group of people do the majority of the work so that everyone else can have an experience. No, the church, when she's at her best, the church is a potluck, where everyone is invited and everyone has something to bring. And it is only when we all begin to bring what we uniquely have, when you bring your unique flavor or recipe, that's when we actually begin to see how truly big and beautiful and broad and diverse and multifaceted this life with God can be. If only a few people are bringing their thing, it's going to be the same flavor time and time again. We need new flavors. We need new recipes. We need what Jesus said, fresh wine at the table. Now, I can tell already that you all are riveted and inspired by this vision. And so, the question I want to ask next is, why don't we all do this? Like, why don't more of us bring what we have? Why is it that even someone like me, who is admittedly a church person, why does it take even me over a year to find, I don't know, the courage or the time to start bringing what I have? Why is it that, that only 30% of the folks who regularly attend Soul City Church also regularly serve inside or outside of our church? Again, want to be really clear. I ain't trying to guilt trip anybody, okay? Not at all. 
I'm not trying to say it's because we're lazy or it's because we're selfish. Come on, I know the people of Soul City. You all are some of the most generous, service-minded, justice-oriented people I have ever met. And so I don't think it's because we're lazy. I don't, I don't think it's because we're selfish. Actually, what I think is going on here, I think part of the reason why we don't show up and bring what we have is because while we do all have something to bring, we also, all of us, have some kind of resistance. We all have some kind of obstacle. We all have some kind of internal or external block keeping us from bringing it. And I actually want to help illustrate this and give you a picture of what this can look like. So you please help me welcome out some of our Soul City volunteers. Let's give them a round of applause. Yes, they're wonderful. They're wonderful. Everyone, this is Jeff. Jeff is here. This is Jen. This is Johnny. And this is Rosie. They're going to help me out sort of with this next point. Okay, so here's the deal. So we all, much like these folks, we all have something to... Oh, you coordinated that. Look at you. Wow. We all, like these folks, we all have something to bring to the table. We all, every single one of you, you have gifts, you have abilities, you have passions that God gave to you because he wants to work through you. So why is it that so often so many of us show up empty-handed? This is funny, we were pointing out because Rosie always has something that she is bringing. You'll hear more about that later. But for the sake of this illustration, Rosie, why is it that some of us show up like this? Well, let's be honest. Again, not because we're lazy, not because we're selfish. I think part of it maybe is because for some of you, this is brand new to you. (laughs) Like this might be your first time hearing that God, the gifts, the things that you're good at, that God gave you those and that he gave you them for a purpose. And so you're sitting here and you're like, John, I'm three minutes into this. I'm still trying to figure out what those gifts are and how they might be used. Totally fine. Absolutely. That's great. But I also think another reason sometimes we show up empty-handed is because we know what we have, we know what we'd like to bring, but we're afraid it's not good enough. Or we're afraid that we're not good enough, we shouldn't be the one to bring it. And so instead of showing up with something that is admittedly imperfect, admittedly flawed, we leave what we have at home, and we leave it to the professionals, or we leave it to the good Christians. I understand this tension on a very personal level right now. Listen to me. I share a teaching stage with Jarrett and Jeannie Stevens. <laughs> These are two people who have much more experience doing this than I do. These are the two folks who started this church. Believe me, I, kn- I know every time I step up here, I know what it feels like to feel that what you bring doesn't measure up or, or what you bring isn't good enough. Or maybe it's this. Maybe you, you may I borrow this? Thank you, Johnny. Maybe um, you know what you want to bring, but what you bring is like really unique. It just looks kind of different than everything else. And you've never really thought like what you uniquely have or bring, how that, how God would actually want to use that. Or, or maybe you just don't see a lot of examples of your unique thing. You don't really see a lot of those things at the table. Because let's be honest, the church traditionally is really, really good at highlighting certain gifts. And traditionally, the church has done less good of a job highlighting less traditional or less obvious gifts or the skills that work really well behind the scenes or offstage. And so maybe you're sitting here and and you have gifts or maybe you're watching and you have administrative or organizational gifts. 
or you just have skills with working with your hands, or you have a passion for a specific art form that is not worship music. And so you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, John, I, I know what I'd like to bring, but my question is, does what I uniquely have actually fit at the table? Does it have a place? How about this one? Let's do a few more. Thank you, Johnny. Actually, let's set it here. You have a place here. That's the full illustration. How about this one? Okay, maybe, maybe for you, uh, you have a past experience, either at a church or another organization, where you signed up to serve, you said yes to bringing your gifts, you showed up, you were really excited, and you were met with a sentiment like this. Oh, great, thank you for bringing this. This is awesome, thank you for bringing this. Now, could you do it a little more like that? Do you know what I mean? Like, it probably wasn't intentional. Like, they didn't mean to do this to you, but essentially what they communicated was, hey, we want your gifts. We just don't want your unique expression of them. We need you to make it a little more like my recipe rather than your own. One more. Here's another thing that could happen. Oh, great. You brought this. Thank you. Awesome. What else can you bring? Could you also bring, oh, perfect, thank you. Actually, we need someone to fill in last minute to, to yes, thank you. What else do you have? And again, this is not intentional. They don't mean to do, we don't mean to do this as a church, but what can happen sometimes is you keep giving and you keep giving and you keep giving, and if you're not careful and you don't set boundaries and the place in which you're serving doesn't set boundaries, you can start to feel like you're being used for your gifts. And you might start to feel a little burnout. Some of you are sitting here today and it's been a long time since you felt ready to show up with what you have because you're just a little burnout. And I get it. That's real. Listen, all of us, every single one of us, we have some kind of resistance. We all have some kind of internal battle or past experience keeping us from bringing what we uniquely have to the table. Maybe you're like me and what you have to bring it's imperfect, and you want it so desperately to be perfect before you bring it there. Maybe you feel unqualified, or you feel uncelebrated, or skeptical, or filled with self-doubt, or a million other things. Listen, I get it, and that is real, but all of that resistance, every single one of those obstacles that I talked about or that's circling in your head right now, none of that stuff changes this fact, and this is the whole point, so you can write it down if you want. What you bring makes us better. That's it. What you uniquely bring to the table makes all of us better. And when I say all of us, let's be clear, I don't just mean soul city. I mean us as in the people of God. I mean us like what Paul said, the body of Christ. This sermon, I want to be really clear, this is about so much more than serving in church or volunteering on a Sunday morning. This is about the unique part that you have to play in the good and redemptive work that God is doing in the world. And I want you to hear me. The unique part that you play, what you uniquely bring, when you bring it in all of its fullness and all of its imperfection and all of its beauty, what you bring makes the whole thing that much sweeter and that much better. And the reality is so many of you are already doing this. 
There are so many of you in this room online who faithfully and consistently bring what you have to the table week in and week out, both inside and outside of our church. And if you are one of those people, real quick, can I say thank you for that? Really, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for how you selflessly and uniquely use your gifts. What you bring makes us better. These folks up here, they are just four of so many people who uniquely show up with what they have every single week. And and it doesn't just bless us. It doesn't just transform our church. It actually plays a part in their transformation as well. And so I thought it would be really cool for you to hear directly from their mouths how God has used their yes, how God has used their gifts, not just to bless our church, but actually to bless them as well. So uh, Jeff, we have a mic for you. And uh, I want you to, to start, share a little bit with us. Sure, thanks, John. Um, so I lead a small group in Soul City, and the unique part for me is that God has really given me a, a great opportunity professionally early in my career to focus mostly on practicing small group facilitation and helping others feel seen, heard, valued for their contributions, while also pushing them to grow. And through serving in groups or serving as a group leader at Soul City, I get to apply those same skills that I use in my professional world and use them and practice those gifts in unique ways. And what that's done for me has actually pushed me to see God more in what I do seven days a week and how it contributes to his kingdom, but also I think hopefully has provided the chance to push others in small groups to grow here at Soul City. Yeah, Jeff, you are one of many amazing group leaders, and there's many of you sitting in this room, who consistently use their gifts of wisdom. You, know, you consistently use this, this gift that you have to hold space for people who are walking through difficult things or who have a lot of questions, and you just hold that space so well. You lead them so well in that we were just talking with Lewis earlier. He's one of those people that, that you help to do that for. And so thank you. Thank you for what you bring to the table. Yep. Jen. Tell us a little bit. I think, yeah, go ahead. I can hold it. It's cool. How do I start? Well, number one, I have a true passion for people. It's a genuine love that I have for humanity. And I'm a part of the prayer team. And I'll tell you, it's a very humbling experience. It's a very beautiful moment that you get to share with someone else that comes into the prayer hall or asks for prayer or sometimes doesn't know how to ask for prayer. And it's an intimate moment that you get to share with them. Mm-hmm. And that is very special to me because it humbles you. It makes you realize that it's never about us. It's never about the human part of us. But it's about the connection that we have with Christ and that we get to share it together. And we mm-hmm. get to experience it and grow in it together. Imagine how you all on the, the prayer team and, and beyond that on the, in our entire care ministry how you all partner with what happens here on Sundays. Sometimes God, you've sat in a service before where God will start something in you and then the final song is over and inside you're like, I'm not done yet. <laughs> you know, God's not done working in me yet. The, the prayer hall has held so much space for me in times. I have, been, I have experienced healing. I've experienced the presence of God through, through the ministry that you all do on the prayer team. So thank you, thank you. truly, thank you. Johnny, hit us up. All right, so... Um... I volunteer with Soul City Kids. Shout out to Soul City Kids. Anyone who volunteers there? Let's go. Yeah. Uh, Soul City Kids give me the opportunity to use my passion for creativity. And I feel like I can use it to inspire kids and unlocking potential talents they may have. I also have a lot of energy. So it helps me keep up with their playful ideas as we navigate God's word. And um, I'm also a kid at heart. So it's not hard for me to relate to a kid or two or 
the whole group of them, because I usually have like a hobby that I can connect with them. And serving as a leader in Club 45 has helped me become a lot more consistent in my prayer, and I realize how much more important prayer is in my faith journey. It's also kept me very humble, and it's kept me more accountable in my life, because now I'm a role model for the kids, so you know, I gotta, I gotta stand the up and up and <laughs> read the Bible more. <laughs> and also, of course, it's helped me connect with more people at Soul City, and um, which otherwise I wouldn't have gotten those connections if I didn't volunteer. So yeah, it's, it's been great so far, and I highly awesome. recommend it. That's so good, Johnny. Yeah, the, something we say here all the time is we like to call the next generation the now generation, because we, we're raising up a generation of Christ followers that are not just going to be used by God and, and help to, to build God's church someday, but they're, they're actually, we believe that they can do it now. And it's because of you and so many other folks, their gifts of leadership your gifts of wisdom as well. It takes wisdom to work with Soul City Kids. Uh, your gifts of creativity. Like those, all those are on full display every single Sunday on that half of the building. If you've never gone over there, you should visit it sometime. I served in the nursery a few weeks ago. It's great training. It's great training. Yeah, I don't do nursery, so... Uh... <laughs> That's awesome. Rosie, go ahead. Thank you. Um, so for me, I serve in the culinary team here at Soul City. We feed our volunteers on Sundays. And um, I have always loved to cook since I was a little girl. I grew up watching my mom, my grandma, great-grandma cook and having family gatherings. So that gift of hospitality has been um, into my life since I was little. Um, just serving um, here in Soul City and the culinary team definitely has brought that into my life. And I have put my gifts into... Um, serving the community. One of the ways that has helped my um, relationship with Jesus is that when you're in the kitchen, when you're prepping, you are getting a meal together. You get to experience, uh, um, share life experiences with the volunteers in the kitchen when we are around the table just prepping. And definitely, we always say that we cook from the heart, but we feed the soul. So mm. that's what hospitality does. <laughs> that's it. Yes. That's it. I, I can say that uh, the culinary team has blessed me maybe more than any other team here at Soul City. I, I, I mean that entirely. But the, you, you mentioned, Rosie, the gift of hospitality, and that is a huge, huge value, not only at our church, but I think to the heart of God. Uh, someone defined hospitality for me one time as, you've experienced hospitality when you feel that someone has thought of you before you ever walked in the room. And there's so many teams, the culinary team, the flip team. We have two services in here. After you all leave, there's a team of people who work to reset this room so that when the next folks come in, they feel that they've been thought of before they walk through here. You know, if you've ever been greeted at one of our doors, if you've ever had a street team person, that is, that is hospitality. That is the heart of God being showcased and reflected through, through all of you. Listen, what we've been saying all morning, that, that what you bring makes us better, it's true for these folks. You've just heard it. And I also want to challenge you. It is also true for you. What you bring makes us better. And so here's the thing. Maybe you were sitting here and you were listening to those folks and what was going through your head was like, oh, I see, I could see me doing that or I could see me maybe trying that out. Like you hear what they bring to the table, how they make us better. And you think, you know, that sounds like something I could do. That sounds like something I could bring or it sounds similar to something that I'd like to try. And so this morning, we have an opportunity for you to say yes to that still small voice that is in your mind right now. 
Right after the service, these four folks, as well as a bunch of our other volunteers and some of our ministry leads, they're going to be downstairs right outside of those garage doors. There's, we have another big table down there. They're going to be standing down there, and they would love to have a conversation with you, and you can actually sign up today to either get more information or to start serving with one of these volunteer teams or a volunteer team that exists within hospitality or within leadership or within wisdom opportunities to serve within our church and around our city. And those of you online, you're part of this too. We actually have a link in the description of this video. It says, use your gifts. All you have to do is click that link. You are a part of this as well. So if you feel like you have something to bring, God's been working in your mind over the last 30 minutes or so, you have something to bring, you're ready to do it. There's no better time than now. There's no better time than the first Sunday where masks are optional and it feels like church is really starting to get going again, you know? There's no better time than right now. Just meet one of these folks downstairs. They're not gonna make you sign like a two-year binding contract or anything like that. No, they would just love to talk with you. They'd love to give you more information. That's all, that's all. This is just to help you get connected and to give you an opportunity to start bringing what you have to the table. So I have one more thing that I'm gonna pray and then I promise you I'm done. I just wanna say one last thing. I wanna be really clear on one thing. What you bring, it doesn't make you belong. Like you don't belong because of what you bring. You already belong. You already have a seat here. God has already said yes to you before you even had gifts to show up with. So the question is, might this be your next yes to him? just to bring what you uniquely have to the table in order to make all of us better. Let's pray. God, thanks so much. Thank you that you are so just fundamentally committed to doing the amazing things that you do and to partner with humans in doing them. You invite us to be a part of the work that you're doing. That is incredible all the good things that you have done throughout history, almost every single one of them, you did through or in or by a human being who was willing to say yes, who was willing to raise their hand and say, hey, I think I'm good at this. I think I have this skill. God, would you use it? And I pray that in here today, that we would be those people, that we would be those people who are willing to raise our hands and say, yes, God, use me. God, I think I have this gift. I think I could try this. I think I could do this. I'm not perfect at it. I'm not fully formed yet, but I'm willing to trust in a God who is perfect, who is fully formed to work through me. I'm willing to trust in a spirit that literally empowers me and works through my imperfect gift and skills to accomplish things I could never imagine. And God, I pray that because of the yeses that are said here today, because of the signups that are made here today, that our church, that our city, and our world would look so different. God, we bring what we have to the table because you have made room for it. And we offer it up to you and say, God, use it. Jesus, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. <laughs>